You're listening to the Business as Usual podcast, your weekly discussion of all things business, finance, and personal finance. And now, here's your host, Jason Hughes. Hello and welcome to the Business as Usual podcast, uh, episode 17. I'm Jason and I'm here as usual with Matt. Matt, how was your week? It was good. Um, good to get back into trading again. Went yep. flat. Yeah, went flat on the week overall. Um, cool. Which is basically the best I could hope for. Um, yeah. Had absolutely no feel um, in, in some of the stocks, which is understandable, but yeah. How about you? Well, oh, it was a week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, was, I, I got wiped on a trade early in the week and then I didn't actually, I traded a little bit later in the week, but I got super busy at work. Yeah. Um, like sort of everything ticks up after the election and people are sort of moving on with their lives now. So yeah. we were busy at work and yeah, it was, it was a, it was a week. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I- That is a good idea. Um, yes. Okay. Um, so I actually, you, you... speaking of beers, I um this week, one of the students at the accommodation, we we're just sort of joking around anyway, about having a beer at work. Definitely yep. not allowed. Um, yeah. So they went and got me and my colleague like a 0% alcohol beer. <laughs> one of those, like, is it Carlton? Uh, it was a Carlton one. It was actually yeah. really good. Um, yeah. If you hadn't have told me that there was no alcohol in there, I, I would have no idea. Um, yeah. But yeah, <laughs> cracked it in front of my boss while while she was on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> Just shaking her head, like. <laughs> and then I was leaving, I'm like, you know, I'll see you on Monday if I still have a job. <laughs> Yeah. I know they do um, non-alcoholic whiskey, and really, it, it's it's apparently um, the worst thing that's ever happened to humanity. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, like I'm a pretty big whiskey drinker. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like I drink like scotch, and um, yeah, it's it's one of these things. Is like everyone makes fun of it. I don't understand. Like, wouldn't you? Like, you wouldn't get any of the warmth. No, yeah, because whiskey, normally. whiskey is such a, like, because it's, I mean, lowest it can be is forty percent. Like the alcohol is such a large part of it, mm. that you can't really fake alcohol. No, like they try, they they have something in there that like gives you a bit of a burn, but some, it's some like, chili. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, it's just not the same. I think it's called RK. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's really really bad. Yeah. Um. So in other people who have had a bit of a a bad week, Elon Musk. Um, yeah. He's not he's not had a brilliant brilliant couple of weeks. No. So we thought we'd have a chat about Tesla. Bit of a bit of a death spiral there. Classic. Yeah. Classic short on the break of that two fifty or two forty five or whatever. Yeah. 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 No. It's. Um. I think. Tesla's in a fair bit of trouble. Yeah. Um, and there's, 
I mean, I don't think it, it's impossible for them to save themselves, but it's definitely... Well, I mean, that's the thing too. Like, how much did they raise again? In their, oh, I don't even know. In their cap was... raise, I think it was like a two was point it? something billion. Yeah. And uh, some people are sort of estimating how long it's going to take for them to sort of run through that. 2.7. Yeah. So I think at their cash burn, it was going to be three quarters. Yeah. I saw current... 10 months. Yeah. Yeah. So about that. So 10 months. Um, but then I've seen from other... These are the more bullish people. Um, I think if they hit their 300,000 per year car, um, cars produced, I think it gives them two years of leeway. Um, Yeah. I think that's... Like, I mean, it's all well and good to talk about how much, like how far that money is going to get them. Exactly, yeah. The problem is, I think, and we'll get into this, I think they're shooting themselves in the foot with the uh, autopilot. Do you reckon? I think so. But I think you've got to think about, like, Tesla, the the story about Tesla right now is that they're running out of money. Yeah. And then they're pushing this autopilot, which is good, but it's not perfect. And they have to know it's not perfect. Yeah. And you get these situations where, like, twice now, the autopilot has run the car underneath a semi-trailer. Really? Yeah. It's happened twice. Like, the autopilot just doesn't, like, the AI in there doesn't Doesn't recognize the semi-trailer. Yeah. You think it'd pick up an object, though, that it was... Yeah, like you would think um, it would, but apparently, like just for some reason, I think it it is a very similar crash both times. Yeah. And it just both times didn't realize it and just essentially the the photos are horrible. What were the, what happened to the passengers? Did they? Oh, they, they were killed. Killed. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like they, like it went straight under the semi-trailer. Like, yep. sheared the top of the car off. And yeah. Like, yeah, but it, was, it was terrible. Yeah. And you have to think that if that goes to court, like, that's a huge burden on Tesla's cash flow. Oh, the court case itself, yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, paying the attorneys and, like, that could put Tesla under. But also, like, negative press around that. Like, how much, how much is that worth? Yeah. Because you don't, you can't, it can't really be measured, you know, directly what the impact of that is. Yeah, except for on their people not buying the cars. Yeah. Yeah, because like people would, if people really like the cars because of the autopilot and then they see that it doesn't really work. Yeah. And then they don't buy the car. See, like and that's the only thing that I think is keeping Tesla up is um, people saying it's a story of sort of innovation and leaders in innovation are generally the ones who come out on top and that's what yeah. they're saying and then you've got the, the other side obviously people saying well you know it's not working and they're burning through cash faster than any you know anything before so yeah yeah i, I think it's uh 
it's like my opinion i think like obviously tesla's tesla's a cool company and like given that if they could just print money yeah like i think they would eventually sort of figure it out but they are operating in a very difficult industry yeah like it's it's difficult to produce like manufacture cars in the united states yeah and especially they're they're trying to go for a thirty-five thousand dollar model and i remember reading a lot like why choose 30 this arbitrary number of thirty-five thousand? like yeah there must have been a reason that they chose it yeah like if they had chosen like forty thousand they could say, oh, it's accomplished, or 39,000 even, even just a couple extra thousand. Um, they could say that it accomplished the um, lower cost model car. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I agree. Like if they if they had have been just printing money, um, they, they would be able to eventually work out the kinks in the system and sort of ramp things up. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a very tough industry. Um, and it's, it's a very capital intensive industry. And I was doing some reading about, um, cause y- you look at Musk and he's, he's kind of got the two companies. So he's got Tesla and he's got SpaceX. Yeah. And SpaceX is not in trouble at all. No. And they're doing quite well. Um, whereas Tesla is not doing very well. Um, and it was very interesting. I was reading into like the reason what, like I was reading some of the history of SpaceX and SpaceX has only ever raised, I think about $1.5 billion, um, in total. Okay. Um, which is insane. They're building rockets. Um, but the reason why that I found is that they essentially the way this aerospace industry works so specifically the like rocket launch industry works is there's sort of these contracts so like there's a contract to take a certain payload to a space station for example yeah and so the different companies vie like put up their proposals for that contract and then if the company wins the contract they can then start building the rocket um, and they get progress payments as they build it. So as they need the funds to build the rocket, oh, okay. the government will pay them the funds. Um, and essentially they set the price and then they also get the funds as they go. How do they set the price though? Well, like I asked I ask because uh, like some of the, your traditional um, rocket manufacturing companies, they're quite expensive relative to SpaceX. Yeah. Like I remember reading um, Elon, I think he, they needed some part, right? And it was uh, $100,000 normally, like if you were to make it traditionally and just buy it from uh, some other provider. Yeah. But Elon was like, no, we need this made for, it was something, I'm just pulling a number out, it was something ridiculous like $3,000. And the engineer was like, well, you're crazy. It's a hundred thousand dollars to buy, and you want me to make it for three thousand? Yeah. And anyway, they made it for three thousand. They do that for a lot of their their parts. Yeah. They make them. I think almost in-house. 
I don't know what the percentage is, but it's a super high percentage of the stuff they're making in-house at SpaceX. Yeah. Um, like, it's insane. And, yeah, so they have much, much cheaper. And essentially, it's a... They just set the price. Like, because they can set it way, way lower than everyone else actually can. Um, and I read somewhere that they make about 70% margin on, on their launches. Wow. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so this it it's i bring it up because it's a good comparison to tesla because tesla is on the opposite end of that scale so they if they want to be a company that distributes worldwide they have to build the infrastructure to do that before they can ever sell those cars worldwide so it's like the manufacturing process and the logistics and everything that goes along with the sales and the customer care and all of that stuff all around the world that has to be built up. See, that's why I think they should they should raise more cash. Yeah, I I, I know it would cause a lot of dilution, especially at their current market cap. But I, I feel like they need to raise many more billions in order to actually get that infrastructure down. And I yeah. think that's more important than sort of trying to just just get by and then sort of do it as you go. I think it's more important just to get that down and then go for it. Yeah, so you wonder, I guess, this is, this is part of the job of the investment bankers. Um, and I'm sure they would have, they would have had discussions about how much to raise and what not and um theoretically the investment banker should know what the appetite is yeah um and i think the the latest raising was oversubscribed so um but i think that that's a bit of a trend at the moment is that most most things are oversubscribed okay um when they when they like most capital raisings tend to be pretty popular at the moment i think people are just hungry to get on the market at the moment um and so i think that part of it is maybe the market just doesn't have the appetite for like pouring more money into tesla okay and then on the other side of that i think it's also musk's pride yeah in that he wants to make it work and he wants to because essentially if he if he raised like so he raised 2.7 billion in the last round if he if he went and raised 27 billion and so the company was essentially funded for the next 10 years yeah i think it it's kind of a hit on musk's reputation it's like okay well you've just been bankrolled and given as much time as you need to make this thing work um versus all right let's raise money and so we have some cash on the books and then we're going to make it work with that yeah okay 10 months or 12 months of cash like obviously i, I don't i don't know if that's what he's thinking but i can imagine that he would especially considering that he has been opposed to raising capital before that he would be thinking somewhat along those lines yeah. I mean, it definitely feels like a pride thing to a certain extent. 
just just sort of given like what he said before and now he's sort of backflipped on it and raised raised capital but yeah there was i can't remember a name uh there was the one who had the bull case for tesla is over four thousand dollars per share yeah which was the the trillion dollar market cap i believe yeah and they in their model had tesla raising i think 20 billion over uh i think it's um, kathy wood yeah that's it I, i can't remember over how many years but it was a 20 billion raised in their bull case because yeah. they wanted Tesla basically to get the infrastructure down um, and start sort of spinning their tires when all the other manufacturing, uh, the car manufacturing companies are catching up. Yeah. And I think this, this is part of the, um, part of the narrative that I'm seeing on online over Tesla is you have essentially two camps. You have one camp who are the Tesla fanboys and who basically like l- lap at everything Musk says and take it as the gospel truth. Yeah. Um, and then you have the bears, essentially. Um, and I don't see too many balanced opinions out there. Um, my biggest issue with what... I see the fanboys coming out with is their whole um, they're basically just totally buying the story that self-driving is basically ready to go yeah and that Tesla is so many years ahead of every other car manufacturer and all this stuff and I just I don't buy that. Yeah. Partly because Musk has, Musk said in like 2015 that self-driving was ready to go and that all the hardware was there. And then he comes out this year and says, we just came up with this new chip that is so much more advanced and now we'll be able to do full self-driving. And like, so, so like, do you trust him this time around? And... Or is there another, like, another chip that has to come out still? Are they going to have to add LiDAR to the cars or... Yeah, I mean, it's it's very hard too. Because, like, it's, it, it comes down to trust on yeah. what he's done previously versus what he's doing now. So, I mean, it, yeah. it's very hard to say. Like, uh, usually you just stick with the trends and say, well, he's he's very ambitious in the past with his timelines and he's lied about certain things. So, you know, it's likely that's going to continue and this time is going to be no different. But then I think the, the fanboys are like, well, you know, this time's different. Um, and, and they sort of make excuses for things and say, well, this thing's in place now, like the chip. So we're all good to go. And it's also very hard too because it's hard to see the development of the self-driving itself based on anything else other than what Tesla puts out. Yeah. Like, it's hard to see into the black box of their AI so you can't sort of see the level of development that's taken place. So, all you've really got to go off is their presentations um, 
on their self-driving and the demonstrations and their self-driving versus, you know, media stories like the one about the semi-trailers. Yeah, I mean, the like at the end of the day, they're going to be showing off the best they've got. So when they release these videos of the car driving itself around, it's like that's the very best of what the car can do. Um, And it doesn't necessarily show you what the car would behave like in a normal situation. Yep. Um, And going back to the Tesla fanboys, is you get, like I've heard over the last sort of month or so since that autonomy day, you hear the Tesla fanboys talking about how there's going to be a million robo-taxis on the roads by the end of 2020. And you're like... 2020 is like not that far away yeah and you you've got to be mad to think that's going to happen yeah well i mean you've got all that regulation that needs to take place as well but again this is straight from elon's mouth so yeah that's what what elon said provided they eat everything up yeah and it's like there's like you've just got to look at it like just a little bit and you can you can see that there's no way like there's absolutely no way that there's millions of robo taxis or even any robo taxis run by tesla in the next 18 months it's just it's It's, not gonna happen it's difficult too because you know it runs in the direction of what people want already like it's hard to be bearish on something that you want to happen, I think. Yeah. Like, like say, like, autonomous driving and these robo-taxis, it would be super cool to have. And t- to be bearish on them, I think, is more difficult than being bullish on them. Because you've yeah. already got that excitement around these robo-taxis, um, you know, like a sustainable future and whatnot. It's very difficult to be bearish on them um just on the idea alone yeah and it's difficult to be i suppose part of it is when you look at like the idea of robo taxis you're like like this would be such a good idea like all the um like congestion on the roads would be reduced and emissions would be reduced and all all these positive things like obviously we have to go to robo taxis yeah and last night i was listening to do you know who alex honnold is no i don't he's a um he's a rock climber um he he's the one who climbed um el capitan in yosemite without ropes oh god um is in totally insane um there's a movie called free solo like is he, that the like, 800 meter cliff or whatever it is um it's higher than that um a kilometer it's i think it's about one kilometer high jeez louise um three thousand feet so 914 meters high yeah um and he climbs it without ropes um and it's totally insane there's a movie called free solo um like i'd highly recommend watching it like it it's worse than like a horror movie <laughs> like some of the shots of him <laughs> yeah. like hanging onto the wall by like literally his fingertips and like the shots from above and you just like see how tiny the trees are below him anyway that's, he was that's, um i'm just thinking about it like 
<laughs> That's ridiculous. It's, it's totally like insane. Yeah. It's like the the craziest thing. Like yeah, it's it's like just watching the movie, like your hands will be like sweating. Like just like you, watching him you do compare this. it to the guy who did the tightrope walk across the skyscrapers yeah like it doesn't compare because if you fall off that first of all it's very difficult to fall off that because you've got a big long pole but if you fall off that you've got at least a wire that you can grab onto you fall off that cliff you're done <laughs> like there's no there's no second chance in there at all i think the other thing that struck me with that was that it took him like four hours to climb it and so that's zero mistakes for four hours. And it's, it's just insane. Like I went to the climbing gym last night and I was listening to, a, um, he was on the Joe Rogan podcast. I was listening to the interview on the way to the climbing gym. And I, um, like I was, I decided to like, oh, I'll, I'll just look up like the grade of climb that, that Yosemite climb is. And just like see what that feels like in a gym, and I like I put my hands on the first hold, and I was like, "Yeah, that's impossible." <laughs> um, so like he's doing a very hard climb, and he's doing it for three hours with no ropes, and it's insane. Um, anyway, I was listening to his um, that interview, and he essentially he runs a foundation, um, and what they do is they go around the world and install solar in like under like underprivileged families to like give them uh, power. Okay. Because it's like something like a billion people in the world who don't have access to power. Like it's totally insane. And it's not expensive to install solar in those places. And essentially he, he made a good point is that like, it's obvious that solar energy is the way to go or that renewable energy is the way to go. Like, that's completely 100% obvious. Like, nobody can argue. Like, there's... Even if someone's, like, a climate change denier, there's no real argument against renewable energy. Like, well, I mean, it costs it's, it's less. It's infinite. It's cost less. It's, yeah. I mean, I think solar's down to three cents a kilowatt hour, which is less than coal at five cents per kilowatt hour. Yeah. Um. And it's infinitely scalable. And then once yeah. it's once it's in place, well, then, you know, you don't have to touch it. There's very little maintenance that you have to do on it. Yeah. And so, like, even if you're a climate change denier, it's just, like, the economics of it is, like, well, it makes sense. And he said, like, well, why, like, why is it, why do we have to, like, pull people into the future kicking and screaming? Hmm. And it kind of comes back to the Tesla, like the robo-taxi idea. It's like, yes, of course, robo-taxis are a much better uh, solution to what we've got right now. But we've been trying to put solar into people's houses for the last like 15, 20 years. And still people don't do it. Yeah. Like what makes you think that in 18 months we can figure out self-driving to the point that it's actually completely safe? Yeah, and then make people switch over to robo taxis. Like it's totally insane. Yeah, it's very difficult to imagine. Yeah, like I just, yeah, I can't imagine that happening at all. Like I was, I was um, 
chatting to some people in my office this week about it and they one of their clients um is i don't know what he does in terms of cars and stuff but he knows a bit about self-driving and he basically said that a large part of the problem in self-driving is road surfaces and the car being able to essentially see like where the lines are and stuff on the roads yeah and so you're essentially looking at a big infrastructure overhaul to make it work properly yeah and like we all know how slow the governments are to respond to these things and all this stuff and it's just like the people who yeah in saying that uh, when I remember watching the autonomy day and it showed the Tesla driving on snow, like there was no lines at all. And he, he was saying that it was not important about like sort of infrastructure, like in terms of lines and whatnot, it's more about drivable space. Yeah. So as long as you have the drivable space there, then Tesla, a Tesla would be able to drive through it. Okay. So basically it looks at the road, say it's covered in snow and it goes, okay, well, this looks like drivable space. Um, so yeah, it's basically able to do it then. Yeah. So I thought maybe a good, good way, like just the second half of this episode, we'll have a chat about the history of Tesla. Um, because they have been through a situation like this before. Um, but we'll, we'll start at the beginning um, with essentially how Tesla got started. Because um, a lot of people think that Elon Musk started Tesla, but he actually didn't. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it's like potato, potato. He was there basically from the beginning. But um, I think it's worth mentioning that there were two guys. I think they were, were they from... GM. I, I don't think. know if they're from GM, but it, it would make sense if they were because you had that first GM's first EV, EV one. Yeah. yeah. So essentially, during the nineties, um, GM started experimenting with electric vehicles. Um, and actually, if you look at um, the picture you've got here in the dock. Um, it kind of looks like the front end looks a little bit like the Model Three, you like that. Yeah, yeah, like the like. Oh, I mean, they've yeah, taken the very out front the of it. Gr- yeah, yeah, the very front bit, like where the grill would usually be, because um, that's like, I feel the the Model Three. I think that is... bumper is the only attractive bit on that car, though. It is disgusting. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. It looks like a. Um, I think. I think when I'm editing this up, I'll, I'll put the photo up for people to see. <laughs> yeah. Because it is disgusting. <laughs> yeah. It, it. It reminds me of something you would see on like MythBusters, like when they like rig some crazy like car up. I it, feel like it, it. It looks like a, like it could have a coffin in the back of it. Like. Yeah. It doesn't. Like it doesn't, it doesn't yeah. look like a car. I mean, I. I I'm guessing they've got something in the back there and that's why they've built it like that. Like they've got the battery or something sitting in the back there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, this this car wasn't uh lithium-ion battery. 
Yeah, it was it Nickel was, Metal uh, Hard Drive, wasn't it? It was. No, well, I mean the second the second model was second generation, but the first generation was the lead acid ones. Oh my god! <laughs> I was actually surprised. I was looking through it. Um, the very first model had a range of 130 to 160 kilometers. It's not bad. I mean, it's okay if you're driving around in the city. Yeah. Um, I wonder how quickly that would degrade, though. And also, how quick would it take to charge that thing? Oh, it would take, like, four days. It's <laughs> It would be ridiculous, like... Yeah, especially back then. Like, remember um, having, like, the even the original iPhone, which is, like, stuff back then just took so long to charge. Yeah. Like, I remember having, um, like, RC cars... And it would, they would take oh. like four hours to charge and you'd get to like drive it for five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Worth it though. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, I, I look at the back of it though and I kind of, from an aerodynamic standpoint, it makes sense. Yeah. Not to have the wheel guard open like that. But yeah. It, yeah. He had yeah, a tough it's, job it's... to make EVs sexy. Yeah. Well, these guys did anyway. Um. So, yeah, anyway, um, so GM tried to make an electric vehicle and they eventually shut it down. Um, and two guys, Martin Eberhard and Mark Tarpening, um, essentially to continue the sort of dream of electric vehicles, started Tesla. Well, they, um, important to know, they started Tesla Motors because um, Tesla was started to be a car company. Um, and very sort of very very early, Musk joins the company, and he puts in thirty million dollars that he had from his sale of uh, PayPal to eBay. That was the Series B, though. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I I seen that he had a Series A round as well at six point three five million. Okay. Yeah. Um. So yeah, he puts in money at the beginning and then joins the board. Um, and what amazed me was that they, so Tesla started in 2003 and the original Roadster only came to market in 2008. So that's a long, long time that they were able to sit in development and whatnot. Yeah. And then the Roadster was one of these, uh, it was a sports car. Um, and very, very expensive, not super practical. Um, there's actually a... Have you ever seen Suits? Me? No, I'm one of the few that I haven't. Oh, you need to watch it. <laughs> Man, it's a good show. Um, anyway, at the beginning, like one of the first couple of episodes, um, like Harvey goes to like one of these um, car rental places for rich people. Where they have like a bunch of like really, really um, premium cars and you rent it for the night to go to an event essentially. Mm -hmm. And they talk about the Tesla like then and like that show is, I mean, I think it must have been started in 2011 or 2012. Um, But yeah, it was was one of these very expensive cars and it wasn't particularly practical. Um, And then in 2012, they released the Model S and stopped making the Roadster. Um, and the Model X 
which is the SUV, was released in 2015. Um, and it was in 2016 when essentially they expanded. I think it was, I forget the details, um, but part of it was from um, just wanting to expand their battery technology. Um, they ended up buying Solar City, and then they yeah. changed their name from Tesla Motors to just Tesla um, because they sort of expanded beyond just cars into um, I, other I believe as someone well. also they also had Tesla the name Tesla so they had to oh, go really? and buy yeah so there wasn't just the, I think there might have been earlier on when they made Tesla Motors yeah it wasn't just because it was a car company it was because some other guy wouldn't turn over the name Tesla. So I think they, I think they bought it from him for, uh, eventually convinced him for $75,000. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> $75,000. That doesn't seem like a lot. I mean, it, like, it, all you're holding on to is a name though. And I mean, they're going to go ahead anyway. So yeah, I, but I feel like I would just negotiated. <laughs> like, they, they didn't even give him a car. Yeah, I mean, they didn't even give him a Tesla. I would have, I would have definitely thought ahead, and <laughs> asked for a bit more. But yeah, yeah, I would have been like, yeah, I want a, I want, I want a Tesla, <laughs> and I want one of every Tesla that's going to one come of out every Tesla. for all eternity. That, that's terrible of them. Yeah, I, um, I find it funny too the the way that Elon actually went about naming the cars. Yeah. Like I mean, I think that was was that was a plan for a while, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, he's always like there's always memes that he's doing, like yeah. on the sly. Um, and I, the Model Three, they called it the Model Three because they couldn't do Model E. Yeah, because of Ford. Yeah, yeah. Because Ford had the Model E, and I remember in the in the Model Y announcements. Um, he goes through the history of Tesla um, or not the history of Tesla so much. He goes through the history of all, all their vehicles and brings them out. And he has a whole thing about the model, the model three and talks about how he's still quite annoyed and quite salty over the fact (laughs) that um, Ford wouldn't just give up the name. Yeah. So that Tesla could use it. Um, for anyone who doesn't who doesn't know Tesla, um, their main production vehicles are the S three X and Y, and if you like write them out, it kind of spells sexy. And it's just it's just Elon being Elon. Um, so I wanted to bring up because of what we talked about at the beginning of uh, the beginning of the episode was that. Tesla was essentially on its deathbed in 2008, just after they released the Roadster. Obviously, 2008 is when the GFC hits, and several of the US car manufacturers were basically going to go under. Um, A couple of them got bailed out by the government, but Tesla didn't didn't get a bailout. So... um, they were essentially on their last legs. Like Musk was essentially piling his money into Tesla and SpaceX 
and SpaceX was also having a hard time at this point. Like they they launched their first rocket successfully in 2008. And before that, like it's a crazy story. Um, one of the coolest, like coolest stories. I prefer reading about SpaceX and Tesla when I read about Musk. Um, they essentially went out to like some island yeah. in the middle of the ocean and they were building their rockets out there and would like work around the clock and there were two islands um so one was a launch island and then one was like offices and stuff um and it took like a while for them to get between it's a, it's a crazy story um and essentially they had a series of rocket explosions while they were trying to build the first rocket and then it went so musk was piling money into that that's not a cheap endeavor um, and then he was also piling money into Tesla. And essentially, it got to the end of 2008, and he was out of money. Yeah, well, I mean, um, in, in terms of SpaceX, he said that he had money for three rocket launches, and three failed. Yeah. And they managed to scrape together money for the fourth one, and that was the one that worked. Yeah. And it was, it was just, like, insane. And essentially, it gets down to Christmas Eve in 2008. And basically, if they didn't find some sort of funding by essentially the end of Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, like Tesla would have been done. Um, and it, it was like literally nearly midnight and they wrapped up a deal with um, the German car company Daimler. Yeah who injected some money into Tesla. And that's like essentially why they're still here. Um, well, I mean, they weren't going to be able to pay wages the next week. Yeah. Like, that's so, like, how little money they had. Yeah, they were literally done. And Musk has said that up until like 2013, when the model... S came out and they actually started making money off of the Model S. They were they would run on like two weeks cash, which is in- insane. That's ridiculous. Yeah, like I can't imagine how stressful that would have been to have both companies at the same time, like near bankruptcy. Man, he um, well, it can't have been that bad because his hairline recovered. that's true yeah uh but yeah no i don't i don't there's um stories of just like how bad it got for musk i don't envy him at all um during that time like that's really that's like you you hear a lot about people hustling these days and like hustling to them means like getting followers on instagram getting out of bed <laughs> yeah it's like yeah I'm like hashtag hustle and like they've got their laptop open <laughs> um, <laughs> a, word, a word document open it's like yeah like musk was like for real um the og like he, hustler like man it, it's insane like to start a, a rocket company <laughs> Like no nobody sits there and thinks like yeah I'm gonna start a rocket company, like that that's something that's doable. Yeah. 
And like, he doesn't even have a degree in like anything to do with that. Um, like, he basically taught himself rocketry. Um, and obviously worked with um, a bunch of engineers and stuff. But yeah, it's, it's insane. And he's able to understand all of it as well, which is yeah. crazy. Like what CEO out there can sort of help out with the design of their rockets? Yeah, well, what other CEO out there makes rockets? That's, yeah. <laughs> um, but I I read when I was reading about the history of SpaceX, and like it's just it's just totally insane. Like his life is totally insane. Because after PayPal, he went to Russia to try find rockets to buy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then, like, couldn't find any that were of a reasonable price. But it's like, who goes to Russia to buy rockets? <laughs> like, it's just so, totally, totally insane. And also, I'd be really worried if I went to Russia to try buy rockets that I'd, like, end up getting killed by, like, somebody because Russia's a really dodgy place. Yeah. Like you just you just don't know. Like the KGB might come and <laughs> like just end you. Um so yeah, so Tesla managed to survive back then and obviously they IPO'd which gave them a good amount of cash and some breathing room and they were able to scale up production. Because I think the other thing during when you're running that low on cash, you don't have any room to invest in like making things grow. Yeah. This is all survival. Yeah. So it's like you're making a car, selling the car. Like, you know, have you ever played like, um, like any of those sort of tycoon games Yeah. on yeah. like, like where you, you start off and at the beginning it's literally just like, like you use the money to do whatever and like then you get a little bit of money from like that uh little mission you do and then you do another mission and like you get a little bit of money and like so it builds up over time and then eventually you get to the point where you're starting to like branch out and like invest in stuff and then like the money that you're making is much much bigger mm-hmm. and so it's like that it was like that for for a car company obviously if they're just they've just got enough money to pay the wages and build the car and then they make a little bit of profit because cars like auto manufacturing is not super high margin um so they make a little bit of money and then they can like just keep sort of grinding it out like that and if you've got no money to pay wages you're not going to be able to invest in like the robots or like any of the technology that you need to build those cars that was a massive thing too actually uh, where they had to, well, they tried to make it incredibly automated, but then yeah. kind of went too far. Yeah, and there was things like that Musk said, like, oh, well, we tried to, I can't remember the specific example that he used, but essentially, like, humans are just better at doing some things Yeah. than robots are. And so it, essentially, they spent a bunch of money and then realized that, they couldn't do it. Like, I get the vision that you're... Like, if you had an entirely automated production line, like, you literally feed some stuff in one end and then out pops a car. 
Yeah. Like, I get that in terms of costings, but very, very hard to do. Yeah. Um, and so, I this week, I read a, an article um, in Forbes. It was written... It came out on Monday. Um, it was written by Jim Collins. He's... Uh, essentially, he spent the beginning part of his career working at investment banks covering automakers and now he's sort of um he's doing other things and he writes for Forbes um and he wrote an article about Tesla and their cash problem and one of the points that he he made that was really interesting was that companies like also companies in general like Toyota and Ford um, you're bound to make mistakes when you make cars and those mistakes are going to be costly um, because cars are totally insane things when you really think about it uh, that you get in like no effort and you can go up to like hundreds of kilometers per hour um, and when something goes wrong it goes wrong bad yeah um so these things would will become costly when you do make mistakes. And I guess the big red flag for Tesla is its autopilot. Um, and essentially, the, like the big auto manufacturers have all been wrapped up in scandals over the years. Um, but they survived them because, or at least... This guy says they survived them because they reserved for it. Like they put away money as reserves for if this happens, which Tesla just can't do right now. Yeah. Um, so it's also it's also difficult with the whole autopilot stuff as well because you think of well, I mean, in terms of the semi-trailer crashes. Yeah, they're not they're not um, places where a human would have crashed themselves. Like, yeah, Elon came out and said that uh, autopilot currently is twice as safe or has half as many crashes in the same situations that, uh, well, not the same situations. I think it was over a mileage, certain mileage, they have half yeah. as many crashes as humans, and it's. I don't know. It's it's difficult when it's not when a human would have crashed themselves. Um, it's also just difficult, like, even though Teslas have less crashes than humans. Yeah. That kind of doesn't matter. No. It's like, because a per- like people aren't going to want to get in a car, like, if there's a possibility of a crashing. Yeah. If it's like driving themselves. It's like it's just not not in our nature to want to do that. No. So it doesn't matter if it's half or a quarter or whatever. That's still a lot. Yeah, I know. So it, just it needs has to, to be... be like so few and far between that essentially like there's just some extenuating circumstance and it's like, oh, like, well, obviously it crashed there. Like, oh, the, um, an airliner came out of the air, like sky and landed on the Tesla. Yeah, sort and of I, thing. And also, they they also the publicity that you get from these negative um, 
well, these crashes is massive compared yeah. to say like there's not many stories that you hear about where autopilot has well they don't get as far of reach as where autopilot has prevented a crash um but then it's hard to tell whether that crash would have been fatal or not or like to what extent they would have been injured and tesla prevented that because it didn't actually happen whereas yeah crashing up the back of a semi-trailer that happened and that's easy to report on. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's a difficult spot they're in where they're... Tr- it's sort of like a transition from uh, humans to AI. Yeah, it's a very and- difficult. Um, like even... I think I was told a story on the podcast before. Um, when elevators were invented... They, like, originally were driven by a person. So, like, you'd have someone standing in the elevator and they'd, like, essentially, like, just drive it up and down to the floors that you wanted to go to. And then eventually they came up with, like, the electronic version. But there would still be someone in the elevator to press the buttons for you. Yeah. Because people didn't trust the computer to drive the elevator for them. Um, And, like, this is just... It's one of these things, like you can logically know that, oh, yeah, the the Tesla driving itself will be much safer. Like, you can can look at the numbers and totally understand it. But, like, people do illogical things all the time. People will drive across the country because they're too scared to fly. Yeah. It's like, well, the, the numbers say that you should fly. Um but people do these illogical things. And while there's that pressure and while there's, you can guarantee every Tesla crash where someone dies is going to be wildly publicized. Um, And there's going to be stories written about and the photos are going to come out. And that's something Tesla has to battle. And you can guarantee that if it's the autopilot that does it, there's going to be lawsuits and that's money that Tesla just doesn't have right now. Yeah. And also, like, if you're, say you're in the camp of, you know, you're cool with autopilot and you drive with autopilot on. If you've been driving with autopilot on for, let's just say, a year, do you really think that you'd be paying any attention to the road? Like, you know how there's that function where you have to keep your hands on the steering wheel and sort of still be attentive to yeah. how autopilot's driving the car and make sure that it's driving. Like, you're not driving the car anymore. You're watching autopilot to make sure it's driving it correctly. Yeah. After a year of driving on autopilot, no way, well, me, I'm just speaking from my standpoint, no way would I be paying any attention to the road. No. I'd have my hand on the steering wheel and I'd be watching a movie or something. There'd be... Yeah. I, I wouldn't be... And you also... The other thing is you also would you wouldn't be able to drive as well if you haven't driven in a year. Yeah. So in this, in the case that something happened that you did need to now drive the car, you would be dangerous. Yeah. Like, like I, this is speaking from experience. I moved, when I moved from Perth to Sydney, like I would ride bicycles or I ride my electric skateboards and I went back after like, it wasn't even a year of not driving. Yeah. And I got in the car and I was like, spatially, completely out of whack. <laughs> like, yeah. 
I was almost like clipping the curb going around corners though, just because like <laughs> it's not like a, um, it's not a natural thing. Like driving a car is not a natural thing, and if you become out of practice at doing it, um, you still remember obviously um, enough that you can drive the car around but like some of those things like how far the car is sticking out on either side of you and whatnot you lose those things like 100 percent, you lose those things yeah and also like who's going to react quick enough um when they're not paying attention like yeah say if a kangaroo here in australia jumps out in front of you when you're actually paying attention man people I have, enough, a, I, people I have enough a, drive um, emu Sorry. once I hit an oh, emu once. Jeez. <laughs> Say an emu runs out in front of you. I doubt you're going to have enough time. Jack, you already have a, don't have enough time to react to that um, yeah. kangaroo. And most yeah. people, they, they don't react correctly anyway. No. Um, and then to think if you're, say, just not paying attention at all, not expecting anything to jump out, yeah. then there's no Actually, way. Actually, I don't going. know if the autopilot would be able to handle those situations. Like, well, would, would the autopilot pick up? Like, there's a, like, because like, this is something that gets really strange. It picks yeah. up that there's a, okay. So I, I, I look at it in terms of from the autonomy day, there was a plastic bag. They asked if there was a plastic bag rolling across the road. Yeah. Would Tesla pick up? That's a, plastic bag or what it would pick up that it's an object that you can't go through yeah so apparently just over machine learning the tesla is able to realize that that bit of rubbish or box cardboard box or something is something that it can drive over after it's had enough data fed into it Mm -hmm. um so i don't know it with a I guess it wouldn't recognize it as an object and then stop. Um, yeah, it would have to because like, like speaking from the experience of when I hit em- the emu, like the emu was dumb. Like I was, I was driving very slowly because I basically, I used to work out at a, um, um, at a, it was a science museum, but it was situated on the site where they have in, uh, one of the interferometers that are looking for gravity waves. Mm-hmm. So it's like way out in the bush. And so there's like a little um, road that goes up to it. And I, like you drive slowly along there anyways. And I saw the emu ahead of me. And so I slowed like right down. I was, I was doing like 25 or 30 and sort of like pulled over to the other side of the road from where it was and like was going to go past it. And then it bolted out in front of me. Like yeah. the last second bolts out in front of me. And like, even if I had lightning fast reactions, like a computer would, I wouldn't be able to stop the car. Yeah. Funny, so, funny story. Yeah. <laughs> Not related to reactions. I was driving between two towns late at night. Yeah. And there, I noticed I was a hundred kilometer hour zone and I noticed there was a kangaroo up in front of me and it was bouncing in my lane. Yeah. And I slow down behind it, right? And I'm driving along at, I don't know, 20 kilometers an hour or something with my yeah. lights on. And it's still hopping along in my lane. 
And I'm like, is this kangaroo going to move? And I it did this for about 100 meters or so. Oh my God. And I, I'm, no, I shit you not, I put on my indicator, overtook the kangaroo, and then, and then turned back into lane. my lane. It was the funniest thing ever. And it, it's just like it was out of a movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, Overtaking a kangaroo. Anyway, that's. Non US listeners will just think that, or non Australian listeners. And I was just saying, like, oh, they, they try around, there's emus and kangaroos on the road everywhere. Even Australian <laughs> listeners probably think I'm pulling their leg, but... <laughs> yeah, well, I've seen plenty, plenty of kangaroos. Um, there was uh, another kind of unrelated story. Um, driving out to that job I used to, um, like, there was a kangaroo that had been hit, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And it was, like, some, the person obviously pulled it off to the side of the road. Um, and I was driving past, like, for a few weeks or so and it was just like kind of out of view but like i'd noticed it the one time um so i kept noticing it as i came up it was like decaying like more and more decayed every time i came past oh god and eventually like i think i don't know what must have happened like either it was just a skeleton and it, it had collapsed or something so i couldn't see it but eventually i just i didn't notice it anymore but yeah it was kind of horrible yeah um but yeah that's yeah, one always- of the things is like maybe like the self-driving or only work in like the city or like suburban areas like because it would need like any machine learning it's going to need exposure to things like that like wildlife because you also wonder how well the cameras would work yeah like when you're like out on those country roads at night like it is pitch dark that is true yeah like i can't imagine cameras working well enough to see a kangaroo or something like off to the side of the road like out of the headlight beam yeah like in enough time to actually um like do any sort of evasive maneuver do they have they have other sensors though don't they do they have a i wonder if the radar the long range radar they don't well this is the thing is that a lot of self-driving car experts say that you do need a radar or what they call it lidar yeah what the difference between radar and lidar is but musk is very against it yeah do you know the difference no i'm just trying to see if tesla has radar in the car Okay, so LiDAR uses light waves. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so LiDAR uses a laser while radar uses radio waves. Yeah, so Tesla does have a radar in the front of the car. Okay. Um, But it doesn't have a LiDAR, which Musk is very against LiDAR. Yeah, well, I mean, he says that it's not able to provide detail of certain uh, things like tr- signs or like in the instance that it was used in the instance of the plastic bag. Yeah. A camera can determine whether it's a plastic bag or not. Yeah. Because basically the thinking is if we as humans can determine if the object is safe or not to drive through and we've only got vision... Yeah. then a computer should be able to do that as well. Okay. Given enough time. 
Yeah. But if you restrict ourselves to just LiDAR, where it takes away some of that information, mm-hmm. then it makes it harder to drive and sort of determine what's an object and what's not, as well as... But surely in any situation, having LiDAR plus cameras would, like, be better than just one or the other? Well, I don't know. He, it was... I don't know if... I think he was saying that it was, like, an expensive redundancy. Okay. So, Cause I mean, the car's too expensive. I think they cost, like, seven, $8,000 yeah. to have them on the car. Yeah, um, I think one of the one of the things that um, one of the articles said that I was reading this week was that Tesla has trouble figuring out when cars are approaching quickly from behind. Yes. Um, yeah. And so they will pull out into a lane in front of a car that's approaching very quickly. Um, well, maybe they maybe they need um, and a radar on the back as well. Yeah, to have that long range. It basically range. said, yeah, that a lidar or a radar would help with that um, because they yeah they can't figure out um, they can't sort of detect the cameras aren't good enough at detecting the speed at which something is approaching. It's not like it doesn't detect it quickly enough to do the. I just don't know if they have the range at the rear of the car because they're able to do that from the front of the car. Yeah, but I don't know if the range they have the range because they've only got the one rear view uh, camera. Yeah, so this is part of it. It's like if Tesla can't figure that out, well, now you've got a bunch of cars out there which you have said are self-driving ready, but actually no hang on they don't have enough sensors on them okay so here we go i've got the a picture of the image of sort of how far they can look yeah um so you've got the front of the car which has uh forward facing cameras so the main forward camera is has a max distance of 150 meters radar at 160 meters and the narrow forward camera has a max distance of 250 meters. And you compare this to the rear view camera, which has a max distance of 50 meters. Mm-hmm. And the rear rearward looking side cameras with a max distance of 100 meters. So it's, it's 200 me- 250 meters versus 100 meters in range. Yeah. So they, they don't have the capability of looking back far enough to actually determine um, whether a car's racing up. Like if you think 50 if you've got meters a, isn't that far. Oh, well, even 100 meters. Like if yeah. you've got a... It's only happened a couple of times, but it only has to happen a couple of times. Like I've had a cop that's been on the highway that's overtaken me at like... It would have been doing 150, 160. Yeah. For that cop to traverse 100 meters at that speed relative to me... It's quite quick. Yeah. Well, because, what, 100, 100 k's an hour is like 33 meters a second or something? Yeah. Or roughly. Like, that's very, very quick. So, if you can only see 50 meters behind you and there is something like a cop car or an ambulance or something, like, flying up behind you, 
and it's 50 meters away and you like the car the car can't figure out that there is something there yeah and then starts a maneuver to like change into that lane to overtake someone in front yeah like it only takes like one and a half seconds for that to be on top of you yeah I think not, I, I don't time. think it would hurt having an additional narrow rear-facing camera to yeah. get that distance back up to a 250 meters. Yeah. Just for I those sort I, of... Do all the cars have self-driving capabilities or does the really cheap ones not? No, the cheap ones don't have it. Okay. Autopilot is the add-on. Okay. So I think when they did the $35,000 model... There was something even about the seats that had to change. Yeah. Like you had to get... It was much lower in quality. Okay. And they also... I don't know if they still run the $35,000 model, um, but they had to reduce the battery size as well. Yeah. To actually get it down. Um, yeah. Below the bunch. quoted standard range. So I think yeah. it was below... I think they ended up scrapping it. Um because it was too difficult to make a whole bunch of different cars in the same factory. So they just wanted to streamline and have one type of car. Yeah. So, yeah. I think it's like, from my perspective, maybe then the, the answer is to um, essentially just restrict the autopilot to the more expensive vehicles and put the sensors on that are needed yeah like maybe that's just like the solution that they need like rather than skimping on sensors because they're expensive like the sensors are if self-driving takes off the sensors are bound to just get cheaper yeah i I think yeah i think i'm with him on having no lidar Mm -hmm. like i agree with just from an information standpoint um it's the visual capability of a camera versus a LiDAR is much better Mm -hmm. because you're able to read traffic signs and whatnot, but a LiDAR wouldn't be able to do that. Would a LiDAR, because you think about like radar, for example, can detect speeds basically instantly. Yeah. Like can detect relative speeds. That's what the, the cops use to... Uh, like speed trap yeah so wouldn't wouldn't that be useful then um, to detect the relative speeds of everything around you versus trying to detect on a camera um like obviously you can do it on the camera because if something's moving away from you it's getting smaller or if it's they always they go off the relative to sizing and whatnot yeah but the argument the argument is always like they talk about is if we can do it as humans and we're able to determine uh, the speeds of certain vehicles and which one's going faster relative to the other one, then yeah. a, a computer should be able to do the same if it's fed uh, good information. Yeah, But I mean, like, again, like playing devil's advocate, humans crash cars all the time. That's true. So if you're trying to build something that's safer than a human, wouldn't like... Like, it's but, all well and good that 
humans only have eyes, but what if humans had radar? Like, would, yeah. would they not be better? <laughs> but I mean, also, we've only got one pair of eyes versus the, oh, I don't know how many cameras, eight cameras that a Tesla has or whatever it is. So, I mean, they've, they've got a better field of vision than what than we, we do. do. Yeah. Like the resolution isn't going to be the same. But the the 360 degree view that we have, like for example, blind spots. Yeah. The amount so, of times that I've gone to pull into a lane and um, I've been beeped because there's a car in my blind spot and I've forgotten yeah, well, to do you the need shoulder to check, check your blind shot. You need to check your blind spots, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks, mum. <laughs> no, sometimes it just it just slips my mind. Like I'm human. Like yeah. I just forget to check my blind spot, and yeah. just in that time, there's there's a car there. Yeah. Um. So, I, I guess that's one of the benefits of having more cameras. Yeah. As opposed to just our two eyes. I suppose. Yeah. From my. From my perspective, it's like, why, if you're building a self-driving car, I feel like if you look at the phone industry, when they do something new, like right now they're doing folding screens. Yeah. The phones with the new technology is super, super expensive. And like, it's not designed for everyone to be able to go out and buy and have that technology. So like I feel like from the perspective of like the self-driving cars maybe the answer is just to add all the sensors that might be necessary and just have a really really expensive car at first and have it work and then yeah. once that trust has been built in the self-driving car and all the stuff and it gets, you can then start figuring out the kinks and like, I'm sure they can run the software that they can figure out like when the, when the car's driving around, like, okay, what data are we using? I'm sure they could run like different streams of the program. Like in, in some cases where they say like, what would the car do if it was only relying on the cameras here or like only relying on the radar here? Yeah. Like what decisions would it be making and then figuring out that stuff um, and then making it cheaper as they go. Like, I don't yeah. know. I Like, again, I don't really know, but I feel like Tesla just needs to make the self-driving car work before they try to make it cheap. I reckon it comes down to just purely data. Like, I think, I think the sensors are there, uh, well, except for that one sensor that I might add, um, for the rear facing one. Yeah. But I think there's enough on the front. It's just more of a software problem that they're having, um, with these, with these cars. Like if you look at the, coming back to the semi trailer again, there's a hundred percent. Those cameras would have been able to detect that there's a semi trailer in front of them. Yeah, they just wouldn't like have they would known. have seen it. It would have been. It's not like, in terms of like distance or resolution or whatever else you might put it down to, they'd be able to. You'd be able to see on the camera that the vehicle's there, 
it's just the software hasn't done something correctly to say, oh, that's an object. Um, we can't go through that. Yeah. So I think I think it just needs more data fed through in order to make it more reliable. I don't know how much data do we have to like, because like, that's a never-ending process. There's always new stuff that the cars have never seen. So like, like who's the poor soul who's going to end up with a kangaroo in his in his passenger seat because Tesla didn't hadn't seen that before? Yeah. Well, that's it because. They, I mean, Tesla, they don't just test the autopilot, like, after someone's driving. Like, if if someone's driving their car off autopilot, the autopilot simulation is running in the background anyway. Yeah. And comparing it to what the human's doing, and then it's able to determine. So, like, in terms of the kangaroo, like, it doesn't have to be the first time that the kangaroo is being seen by autopilot. It might have already been seen by someone who's driving off autopilot and who's re- reacted accordingly. And now that reaction is programmed into um, how that autopilot will react in the future. Yeah. It's a very it's a very tough one. I just, yeah, I just think it, it, it just needs a lot more data. And it people that have become complacent in autopilot now because they just think it's cool it's it's still in that transitional state where people need to be attentive yeah well like i it, think i don't I think, think the, it should be called autopilot like that's one of the problems yeah because like, I, mean, I think in a... in germany they're not allowed to call it autopilot yeah um because it's it's not an autopilot yet it's what they call a level two self-driving uh, capability which essentially means that it can assist the driver yeah um it's not designed it's not at at the ability for the driver to not be driving like even putting on like pressing a button and then feeling like you can't pay attention it, it can't do that yet yeah like it's uh like the way I understand it is that essentially the driver would be driving if they, if they were to go to pull pull into the uh, another lane and there's someone in the blind spot, the car just wouldn't let you do it. Yeah. Like would stop you from getting into a dangerous situation, but it shouldn't be doing like the lane changing itself and all of that. Um, and yeah, well, I mean, it all, it's all depends on, it's all, it's all probability. It all comes down to probability. Yeah. Like it, at what point does the Tesla autopilot become safe enough that it's okay to be driven around? Yeah. Like, and it's definitely it, not if yet. It, if it, well, I mean, it's, it's safer than humans currently, but it doesn't seem like it's safer than humans. Yeah. Like at, at what point, like say if it's 99.9999% safe, then is that safe enough? It, it just... There needs to be something, some sort of regulation or something that states that it's okay after a certain percentage for autopilot to be used. Yeah, and I guess because, this is this is part of like Tesla need to think very seriously about that because if the autopilot screws up, 
that's on them. Like, whatever happens, however many people die, that's on them. Yeah. But if a driver crashes a Tesla because they were driving badly, like, that's on the driver. Yeah. And so it kind of doesn't matter where the self-driving is up to and if the self-driving is good enough and all of this stuff. Like, it, it basically... Um, it doesn't really matter if Tesla goes under. Yeah, and I think if just think about it, then it that say it has X amount of crashes per thousand miles or whatever it has. Um, there's it basically shifts the crashes to people that wouldn't already have it. Like if you have a software error and that causes a crash, that's still it still feeds into it being safer than the the humans driving, but it instead shifts that death or that injury from someone who was driving badly to a software error. Yeah. Like in the case where, say there's an instance where the human would have crashed and died in that particular circumstance, but the autopilot saves them, and then that crash is then transferred to someone who is driving along and Tesla, it just swerves off the road for no reason at all. It yeah. still looks as though it's going going to be the same safety. Yeah. But because it's having X amount of crashes per mile. But when but, those crashes become but they sort become, of erratic. Yeah, it's not, it's not because... Um, there's been a certain circumstance that's caused it to crash. It's because it's, there's been a software error. Yeah. Like it, it just, the data looks as though it's safer, but it's occurring. It's happening to people that wouldn't have already crashed normally. Yeah. And I think that's the problem with autopilot is it's not that it, it has the inability to deal with certain circumstances, Yeah. but it's, these other errors outside of that that crash when someone wouldn't have crashed themselves. Yeah. And that it's sort of taken away from the person. And that's sort of why people are react, reckon react so negatively to it is you're taking that person's life away from them without actually. Yeah. Like they, they wouldn't have been able to do anything about it basically. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like if, if there's a, a crash, like say you're driving along, on, on the freeway and the person in front of you slams on their brakes and like you just don't have enough space so you end up running into the person like if the Tesla does something like that it would be uh, people wouldn't react so, like as badly because like we can imagine ourselves doing that yeah um, people would still be like oh the Teslas aren't giving enough following room and all this stuff but it wouldn't be as bad as the Tesla just completely not seeing a semi-trailer and just yeah. flying underneath it. Exactly. Like, it's, it's not as bad publicly and not as bad, like, just in terms of confidence in the, in the technology, it's not as bad. Yeah. And, yeah, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there when you say that the crashes need to be more human-like crashes for people to be comfortable that's exactly right. And it, it's more human like. Yeah. And it sounds kind of weird. It's like, well, you're not going to program in of when you crash, you must crash like a human. 
But what we're seeing is that the challenge with developing self-driving cars is not the everyday, like where people are normally crashing, running through red lights or doing stupid things that people, because that's where people crash every day, just by the numbers, they have to. Like more people are driving around suburbia than in like, rural country roads and so most of the crashes just have have to happen in suburbia yeah and the autopilot's very good at doing that but it's not very good at doing other things and that's where unless you can stop it doing these crazy things like for example the um the boeing incidents that happened last year with the two planes like they were essentially autopilot malfunctions yeah um and it was an autopilot malfunction that made the plane do something totally erratic and just just go nuts um and so they grounded all the planes because people are less comfortable with that than like the autopilot failing in a way that the pilot would... Because there there have been cases where the autopilot has failed and it's caused a crash, um, but it's been in cases where it's kind of understandable, like they're in a storm or they're like whatever. Yeah. Another example is like, say you compare it to people falling asleep at the wheel. Yeah. So if you had the Tesla software to make it similar, say it were to freeze for how many microseconds or how many seconds that you would fall asleep for and that cause a crash, even if that causes less crashes than someone falling asleep, it's still not the same because it's... If if you were to crash and survive because you fell asleep, well, you put the blame on yourself. You're like, okay, well, I fell asleep. Like, it's my fault. Yeah. But if you were to crash from a software glitch that froze the computer, you'd be like, well, you know, even if the probability of that happening is lower than me falling asleep by, you know, a massive margin, it still doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, you're not going to care. You're not going to put that autopilot on again. No. For a very, very long time. Even if it is safer, like, you're still not going to use it. Yeah. You've got to trust it. Yeah. I mean, this is coming from like people like us who like i'd say we're pretty excited about the the prospects of self-driving yeah um and you've got to like not everyone is like us like you have exactly. older people who just really would not like they they can't operate their email and <laughs> like like they're, they're untrusting of like you have like people who are going and putting like pieces of tape over every single camera that they own. Yeah. And like, you, you people, think that they, you, they're going to trust a self-driving car. Well, you got people that still don't trust cruise control. Yeah. Like when was cruise control in like implemented? Oh, so long ago, like decades and yeah. people, well, yeah, the, the car people that still, people I, still hear the stories that, uh, basically the, the car, there's something wrong went wrong with the um, cruise, cruise control. control and it continued to accelerate up yeah. to, you know, 
the max speed of the car and they ended well, up crashing I even, and dying. I even heard like stories like that when I was sort of starting to drive and like I'd be like, oh, like I using cruise control and people were like, you can't use cruise control. That's so dangerous. Exactly. Like that I heard about this time control. when and like that's cru- yeah, that's cruise control. Like that's like that's not a self driving car. And so while people are still worrying about cruise control, there's just there's not a chance self driving cars become a reality in the near future. Not for the like, robo taxis. No, not not even they'll, like they'll just be... not even legal on the roads. Yeah. Like I think you can imagine the like New South Wales government, like they're not gonna allow self driving cars here. It's not a chance. Yeah. Like not for a very, very long time. Yeah. And I mean like if you look at it in terms of the development of that technology, if you were to leave it if you were the government say and you were to leave it five or ten years into the future before you actually implemented it from where other people were implementing it. Sure, that's a decade, but in the grand scheme of things, 10, 10 or five to 10 years of development in autopilot is massive. Yeah. And I think after people have already started to implement that, by that stage, the car would be that safe that um, it, would, it, would make no, it would make no sense to be driving as a human. And... It, yeah, anyway. Yeah. Lost my train of yeah. thought there a little bit. <laughs> yeah, no, it's... Um, I think we're we're a long way off. And in terms of coming kind of back to Tesla and the case for Tesla, we're, a, we're much further away from self-driving robo-taxis than the Tesla fanboys want to believe. Yeah, I just remember what I was going to say. Like, there's no point in saying that... No point in being the early adopters when you experience all the negative side effects of that. Yeah. Like why cop all those deaths early on when you can wait five years and not cop any? Yeah. Like you would just delay it. Yeah. If it, and if it I meant guess that the, your roads were going to be safer, yeah, I guess you would the, just delay it. The argument would be that, oh, well, even if it's just a little bit safer than humans, then, well, it's a no-brainer. Um, but you do have to take the realities of the situation into account. Like if you've got, um, like it, it has to be legalized and you can no doubt that would go through the parliament and be a very public debate and yeah. become a political issue. And you would have old people who are scared of computers using like their votes as a, as power there and like the the reality in australia is the government can't ignore the older voters like we saw that we saw that last week when the liberals got re-elected mm-hmm. like you can't ig- ignore those older voters and those older voters are the ones who aren't going to want self-driving cars and it's it's not equivalent either like to say that it's to say like i'm it's difficult because I'm in the boat of being safer. Like it's, yes, it's good. That it's already safer than humans. Um, that could be implemented, but in terms of fatalities from autopilot compared to humans driving, 
you can't just group everyone and say, look, we have more, or sorry, we have less road fatalities in a certain period because of autopilot. They're not all equal. Like, yeah, that the death from autopilot isn't equal to a death um, by human error. Yeah. It's their fault that they died because they were 40 kilometers over the speed limit and got into some gravel and ended up rolling their car. Yeah. You can't say the same for autopilot. Like, it's not their fault. Yeah. So, it's even if it's slightly less, um, slightly more safe than human drivers, the deaths aren't equivalent. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. And I guess even, even coming back to, like, commercially, like, who's liable in a situation where the autopilot fails and you rear-end the person in front of you, like, whose insurance pays for that? Mm. Is that Tesla's insurance? I like, wonder if it's in their contracts. Yeah. Like, that they sign. It, that must be somewhere in there. It'd have to be, yeah. Because, like, uh, in my mind, if Tesla's autopilot fails, like, the software glitches out and you rear-end someone... Well, that's on Tesla. I think it's Tesla, yeah. It makes sense for it to be Tesla. Yeah, and that may be something like... That's kind of an area where, like, case law would, like, have to take care of that. Um, so, that would go through the courts and the courts would make a judgment on that. But, like, that's yeah. that's another side of the whole thing is that, well, if Tesla now has to start paying big insurance premiums because they're yeah. liable for um, their autopilot failing. Like, that that's kind of a big thing. And yeah. the other point I wanted to make was that it's all well and good to say that self-driving cars are X percent safer than non-self-driving cars. But the fact is 99% of the cars on the road are going to be self-driving. Like, at first, and then it's only going to, change very slowly especially with recession on the horizon people aren't going to go out and buy fancy new cars no so while we have the situation where those normal road deaths are still going to happen so like the day you change the law to allow self-driving cars not like normal road deaths are going to stop Uh, so those normal things accidents are still going to happen and then you're going to add all those really weird ones where the autopilot screws up. Yeah. And so you may be in a situation where you actually end up with more road deaths because yeah. of self-driving cars, not less. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I agree. That's probably probably a good place to end it Yeah. Uh, for this episode. I just want yeah. to say with Tesla, um, it's very easy to want to buy into this company based on the vision. Like you have uh, this green future with electric vehicles, no emissions, autopilot. You've got the power wall and you've got this whole thing where this infrastructure is put in place where it's kind of like a utopia where where we have all this free energy from the sun. We're using it for our homes, our vehicles and all the rest of it. And it's very easy to say that Tesla is going to be the the main 
company that's going to be charging that forward. Yeah. But they're, like we said at the very beginning, they're in a tricky spot at the moment. And I don't know, me personally, I, I want to see Tesla sort of start to bring in some cash and not be burning cash before I would yeah. ever invest in Tesla. Yeah. And personally, I want to see Tesla succeed. Me too. But yeah, I think the reality of the situation is like right now, like the probabilities probably look more like Tesla's not going to be the one that pushes us forward. Like they'll they'll be the the early sort of early uh, steppers in doing it and come up with a lot of the early solutions. At least like that's sort of what I'm seeing right now. Then another company is going to come along and take it further. Yeah. Well, you think if if they're like if like you said with the recession being on the horizon, especially with this trade war stuff. Um, you've already started to see global uh, slowing. Yeah. You want to be, if you're a company now and you've experienced the last 10-year bull market, you would want to have a pretty healthy balance sheet going into a recession, not just scraping by like Tesla is. Yeah, and that was the point I brought up before in that you have people um, essentially big car companies have reserves for things like that um and so they trade at very low pe multiples because their earnings look very low but they're artificially low because of that reserving yeah um whereas tesla's trading at a very high pe um and they may not be reserving sufficiently to get through hard times and so we we may see them go under or get bought out yeah i think but I, I think, think we've a... got we've got a couple of years, maybe, like one or two years before something happens. Like it's going to be a long, slow death if they do die. But yeah, well, I, I think have... people would continue to inject capital into it. Yeah, I think the likelihood of Tesla being bought out is higher than them succeeding by themselves. Yeah, I would. Exp- yeah, currently. Or even just, yeah, like a joint venture sort of thing or like a company buying them out or acquiring them and then still operating them as Tesla. Oh, yeah, sure. So Tesla would still be Tesla, um, but they would have the um, finances of another company behind them to keep them going. And as a consumer, that doesn't matter one bit. Yeah, like if the company's still running, it doesn't matter. It's yeah. it's you're then talking about investing, and um, yeah, that's in, that's on the whole investment side. So I think consumers, regardless, they're still going to have Tesla. Yeah. But investors may not may not have have it. Um, and yeah, I think that's that's probably a good place to leave it. Yeah. Um, I do want to say if you are interested in the history of Tesla, um. I forget the author's name. I'll quickly look at it. Um, there was a biography written about Elon Musk. I think it came out in 2017. Um, it was called. Um, it was called Elon Musk, and it was by Ashley Vance. <laughs> yeah, 
um, and that's quite a good book. It's a great um, book, especially yeah. on the stuff that's on SpaceX as well. Yeah, the SpaceX stuff and the PayPal stuff. Like, it's very cool. So, yeah, so we'll probably leave it there and um, we'll come back next week with another episode. So thanks for listening, guys. If you have any um, opinions or whatever, like, feel free to drop them in the comments and uh, we'll get back to you on that. And, yeah, we'll be back with another episode next week.